Welcome to the National Rural Ed, the Rural Voice podcast series. This is a little, this is our special edition. This is an actual video roundtable podcast, and we have two great guests today. Um, I'm going to introduce them in a second, but I want to highlight um, j- just, just how important this session, this roundtable will be for our rural communities and rural leaders. And the reason we're doing this, we're, we're doing this in conjunction with the HHS and uh, at their request to add kind of a, a medical expert podcast for our, our listeners. So we're excited to be here. Uh, we hope you enjoy. We're, we're looking at the next six to seven hours. I'm kidding. We're doing 20, 25 minutes. I apologize. It is good to, to be here. And I'm going to introduce our guests. Uh, my first guest, and please introduce yourself, is uh, Dr. Denny McLaren. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Jenny McLaurin, and I'm a pediatrician and a um, big fan of school health and rural communities. I worked in migrant health, rural health, uh, school health, and community health centers um, for most of my life. And I live in a small town in northwest Washington State, Ferndale, Washington. Hey, thank you for being here. And, and she is with us early this morning, so we appreciate her time, three-hour difference in time, by the way. Uh, next guest, uh, uh, a friend of NREA and, and uh, done a lot with us. So, uh, Alan Morgan, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself to our listeners. Absolutely. Alan, and great to get a chance to work with you once again. I really appreciate the ongoing collaboration that our two organizations have. I'm Alan Morgan. I'm CEO of the National Rural Health Association. We're a nationwide nonprofit membership organization representing more than 90% of the nation's rural hospitals, rural health clinics, and rural community health centers. And uh, we work to drive policy and practice to improve health care in our nation's rural communities. I like it. That's good. Thank you. So we're going to start with this kind of a round-robin question here. What's your favorite thing about being from a rural community to living in a rural community? Let our listeners know what it means to you. So, uh, Dr. McLaren, please take it first. It's hard for me to pick just one thing, but uh, I have a large family, and I think I just loved that we knew our neighbors. I knew the other children. I knew their parents, and they all were kind of, we were all sort of looking out for each other. Um, just easy name recognition where you go. That's good. That's, that's the great point. Alan, you want to add to uh, your reasoning for living and working, living and working in rural communities? Yeah, well, I'm the fifth generation born and raised in Northeast Kansas, Holton, Kansas. But for the past 22 years, I've worked for the National Rural Health Association. And I got to tell you what I really like about rural and rural health in particular is um, innovation begins in these rural communities. If you want to see where healthcare is going to be at 20 years from now, you just can go visit any rural town today. So it's really on the cutting edge of new policies, new practice, and, and new ways of delivering healthcare. That's great. Uh, so, so let's take it. I'm going to go to you, Alan, with this one. Let's say you talked, you mentioned innovation, innovation in rural communities. So why is it so important for us to focus on rural communities during this time period coming out of the pandemic and this innovative spirit? So why is it so important to focus on rural? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, rural towns, uh, because of COVID, they, they've been forced to be really test beds for inter- innovation. Um, rural communities across the U.S., they have a population that is older, sicker, and in many cases have lower income. And a population, in many cases, has a higher percentage of chronic disease within the community. And this is a, a, a you've got these clustered communities that are high at risk for COVID, um, in many cases in towns where they're not designed to handle a global pandemic. I mean, rural healthcare does primary care and general surgery. So the important thing is, what can we learn for how they're dealing with this situation, past, present, and future, and to, be, to build a better healthcare system going ahead? That's a great answer. Uh, Jenny, you want to add to anything on rural, why it's important to focus on rural communities? Well, rural communities um, are isolated and um, from uh, like trauma centers and other other uh, healthcare access often. And they're geographically, they're the biggest part of our country, right? So um, it's not like they're unusual. Um, they're, they're more common than our huge cities. So it is the common experience of what it means to live in America for a huge swath of people. So uh, it just makes sense to focus on rural communities as well as urban. So, so with that same note, we're coming back to you, Jenny. What, what, is, what should our rural communities know about the updated vaccine that, that is being released? And, and we know many people in rural communities are going to be getting the, what we formerly called booster, but now updated vaccine. Um, I got right. to schedule mine for next week. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you know and, and kind of your thoughts on it. Sure. And um, uh, whether you call it updated vaccine or booster doesn't really matter. Um, the, the official term is being called updated, but it's updated because it adds very focused on the parts of the um, coronavirus that have mutated and are causing most of the infections now, the um, Omicron variant. And viruses all have variants and they all change all the time. Um, and so this particular vaccine um, focuses on the majority of coronavirus that's around right now while also protecting from the original. Um, so it's, it's, it's got two sort of power punches, one to the original and one to um, what we're seeing right now. Good to know. So, Alan, anything from from your organization, what you're dealing with now with the updated vaccine and the rollout? Yeah, the real challenge is just to get the message out that COVID's still out there. And um, in a small town with limited resources from a healthcare standpoint, um, what people need to know is these hospitals are struggling with workforce right now. And so it's really important for communities to be vaccinated, just really to protect your local access to care point. Um, many rural hospitals now are, are limiting specialized services such as maternity care just because of staff shortages. And the obvious concern is if we don't get our communities vaccinated, we're gonna see a false surge. And unfortunately, 
um, in many cases, transferring patients isn't always an option. So it's really about just protecting your own community and protecting your healthcare system there locally, in addition with keeping your own family and friends safe. Yeah, I think that's yeah, important. I, Go ahead, please. Could, yes. Could I jump in there? Um, I, I started calling COVID the great disruptor. So it may not feel to many people either in rural or urban communities like, like, you know, it's a mild disease now, who cares? I've already had it, but it's the great disruptor. And um, my daughter who works in healthcare uh, with special needs children had her, uh, has gotten it twice with this new variant. And despite um, having original vaccine, and, you know, then she's out of work. And at our local rural hospital, they closed the cafeteria because they didn't have enough workers. So there wasn't food at the hospital. I mean, people have to bring in their own food. It's it's can be a real crisis. And whether it's making sure that your medical uh, health care facility is clean or whether there's food or whether there's somebody who can drive the school bus in the rural community, it's the great disruptor. So vaccines are one way, they're not perfect, but they're one way that we can minimize that disruption. And it's going to continue for a few years. It's not, this isn't over. So, so let me, let me ask you the kind of a follow-up. And then we talked about prior to recording is kind of both, both of you, what are your, what's your biggest fear rolling into the fall? Meaning, meaning, you know, anything from the school wise or community wise, what's, what's kind of what keeps you up at night thinking about the process? Well, I might, I might start on this and I just building on what I said earlier, there, there's the unknown and there's the known and the unknown that keeps me awake is, is some very serious variant now developing and coming through and everyone's done with COVID. And if we have lower vaccination rates, I mean, that could be just horrible for small towns. Number one, that's the unknown. But what is known, as I mentioned, is um, unfortunately, at this particular time and, and, and moment in our history, we just don't have the flexibility in our local healthcare system to deal with any type of big surge. And whether that's just dealing with the flu season or COVID or, um, God forbid, polio or anything else that comes through, there's, we just don't have the surge capacity at this time. And so the real concern is we plow into December, January, and February and, and lo and behold, our small towns are overtaxed and they can't transfer. And you're in a terrible situation where you're at a facility that just isn't designed for that type of intensive care. So I, that's the real concern that I have. I have valid points. And the unknown and known is a big factor. Um, Jenny, anything? I love the great disruptor part. So I'm going to, we're going to add on to that, I guess, with your thoughts on the fall coming up with the great disruptor. Yeah, I agree with Alan. I would say we're at about an 80% capacity nationwide. And I, I also work nationally. I'm a senior fellow for the National Association of Community Health Centers. So we um, are in, we're often the only health center in a rural community and we keep tabs on staffing. And um, staffing is down uh, quite a bit and it hasn't gone back up. And so um, our capacity is much lower. I wouldn't say that's a fear of mine so much as a new normal for a while. 
And I, I want people to understand that. So I, I know that there has been a lot of public rhetoric um, that has talked about fear <laughs> on both sides of the, the aisle about, you know, using it as a weapon, like, why are you afraid? And um, so I'm not going to say that I'm fearful. What, what really keeps me up at night is misinformation. So there is so much misinformation about COVID. It extends to other things. Um, it extends to, you know, it did extend to mask wearing. It might extend to it again. But um, I think what I want people to really understand, and they have to hear over and over and over and over and over again, is good, really excellent medical care, medical decisions um, are always open to the newest information and changing with what we understand to be true. So this was a brand new virus and there were lots of messages that kept changing and changing and changing. And I think that made people mistrust uh, anything that came out of somebody's mouth like me or Ellen. But uh, at this point, we're now in this sort of medium range with it. And I think what we know is very solid. What we don't know is still, like Alan said, very much out there. That There's no reason a variant will be either stronger or weaker than the one that came before. That's, it doesn't happen that way. It just, we'll find out. So um, I think staying open to trusted information is really important. And um, maybe everybody relaxing a little bit from initial snap judgments when they hear something new on the news and um, just saying, hmm, let me hear a little bit more about this would be helpful. And I think that's a good point. People need to relax and listen and, and, and really find their trusted source, uh, which could be locally. Uh, it could be their school, could be their local health officials. Uh, and then we're going to swing into a question for both of you, obviously. Um, wh what would you tell parents that have school-age children and even children in college about the updated vaccination, uh, precautions, how to protect themselves, and all that good stuff? So, Alan, you want to take this one, and, and we'll come back to Jenny? Yeah, I'll start again. I mean, this is the most researched vaccine in the history of vaccines. And I, that's just a bottom line um, fact that I, unfortunately it's getting buried out there, number one. Number two, it, this is an unknown virus in, in, in a sense that um, it's a novel virus and um, the, the impact of multiple infections is still not known. And I think in, in that face of knowing you have a safe and effective vaccine that's been proven, um, we have a virus that's still long-term consequences are unknown. Um, at the end of the day, it, it just makes prudent sense to make sure that your family, your kids are vaccinated for this to ensure going ahead, um, everyone's safe. And I wanna go back to a, a community issue. How do you best protect your small town. And that at the end of the day, regardless of what you're hearing from anyone nationwide, what needs to be done in your community to protect your loved ones, your family, and your friends. And um, that's the key message I would like to see um, shared in, from a rural context. 
And I think you bring up a good point about community because we know the rural schools, the rural hospitals, the community, they're very tightly connected. Um, So, and I think that's a good point to bring up that it's, it is, it is probably the most researched uh, virus and vaccine as well. So that should make people feel better. Um, I mean, Alan, are y'all hearing anything about research wise that people don't think it's researched uh, to the depth that it, that it currently is? Well, it gets to the same point. Um, we all have the internet, and in many cases, it, we hope we all have the internet in a rural context, and so it allows these elevated fringe um, um, viewpoints to seep in. And in a small town, uh, you, you know, when you, you, you someone hears something on the internet and you start talking about it, um, you just have to go to trusted resources. I go back; it was mentioned earlier, and in a small town. Uh, your family doc, um, whether it's an MD, a, a, a DO, or a physician assistant, whoever you're seeing, talk with them. They know you. They know your family history, and they are up to date on the scientific facts when it comes to this. So I think at the end of the day, just making sure that you have that connection with your local primary care provider and have a thorough discussion with them, who you trust and who know you, I think that's the best path forward. Jenny, you want to add anything to what I, because I think you brought up a good point about research and talking to local. So you want to add anything from your end? Yeah. um, You asked at the beginning about like widespread families that their children immunized and um, this updated vaccine is only for 12 and over right now, but I, I expect there will be one for younger ones along the way. And, um, you know, rural families travel a really long way to go to sports games and to go to um, other things with their children that are important to their children. And um, rural communities are their own pockets of, of both protection and infection. So if you want your child to be able to participate in the world um, uh, in the way that they want to, then being protected is is very helpful. And I just want to emphasize the long COVID idea too and the idea about risk with this uh, newer vaccine. The the former risks around um, inflammation of the heart and all that are not not being seen with a newer vaccine. And um, it is very safe. And it is also effective, which is important, right? We don't want just safe. We want effective as well. Um, And children can get long COVID just like adults. Children, um, and we're seeing it. uh, We're starting to see it in children, particularly adolescents. So that's devastating. And we don't know how long it lasts. We don't know if it's going to be a lifetime impairment or whether it's a few months. But even at a few months, most families don't want to see their child in high school sort of have to repeat a year of high school because they had long COVID. So most families are worried about mono. It's a lot worry, a lot worse than mono. And in college, you know, you're in close quarters, you're together. So you asked about that. That's, that's being packed yeah. in, right? And um, that would be why. So, so let's let's hit on the, the long COVID and, and just in general about you know the, the protection in general for your community. So, Jenny, the one thing that came that would come if you had a chance to talk to one community and you could you know just talk to them and say this is the main thing I want you to take home. 
This is the this is the main point. What would that be around the protection and, and helping the community? All right. Um, well, COVID's here to stay. It's not going away. Uh, we had hoped originally that somehow if everybody got the first vaccine that we could make it go away, but that is not going to happen. So COVID is going to be with us and we are going to have to be constantly aware of it for the rest of our lives. And it is more serious than the flu. So I would treat it the way that I treat a contagious disease like the flu, only it's more serious and causes more long-term consequences. So we need to be ready to get vaccinated when it's given us opportunity and then continue to have good hand washing and good hygiene. I think that's important. And, and this hits the point of why you need an updated vaccine, why you need to make sure children that are the age appropriate at this time. And it, as you mentioned, 12 and above at this moment when we're recording. Um, and I, I do appreciate that. And I think it, it's kind of a no brainer in a lot of folks mind that, Hey, we're going to do this. It's the folks that, that don't feel that way that we're trying to reach out to to say, Hey, it's research. We know uh, you're better off with the updated vaccine. So, and I, I do appreciate that as well. Alan, it's kind of the same thing. What would be your one message? Yeah, I talked at the beginning about um, both clinics and hospitals and struggling with workforce. At, at a time we're struggling with workforce, and I think this is a key message, is um, looking at what they're doing going ahead. Despite this struggle, um, rural hospitals nationwide are increasing their chronic care management programs. They're expanding their pulmonary care rehab. And this is a result of long COVID. If you just follow what these small hospitals are doing, you can see the future of this and that this is a real and serious threat to small town health. Um, they are actually boosting their services as a result of this. So again, regardless of what you may or may not be hearing on the internet, when you just look at what, what your local hospital is doing as a result to try to respond to long COVID, Gosh, that should raise red flags for everyone right there. This is really a serious issue. Yeah, I, I think um, that's a, that's important. The workforce part of it, especially rural communities, we know teacher shortages, we staffing at the K-12 level, and then definitely your rural healthcare provider or hospital is, is very important. So so what we'll do, we're, we're going to close this out, but I, I think we're going to, so everyone knows, we'll link all the information to this uh, podcast that we'll send out, but we always close, try to close with some kind of uh, positive comment moving forward. So I'm going to go Alan first here, put you on the spot. If you had kind of one wish you could make, not for other wishes, but one wish that would change rural healthcare or help or benefit rural communities, what would it be? Yeah, I, I think uh, at, at the end of this, it really is about em <clears throat> empowering rural communities to take care of their own health. And I think that's been a challenge we've always had. I mean, we have limited um, access to healthcare professionals in a rural context. So how do we provide rural communities with the tools and the resources to be able to keep themselves healthy and out of the hospital in the first place? And I, I'm optimistic that that's the direction we're headed. 
And I'm really optimistic um, with the expansion of community health workers, which are trusted resources within the community that help work directly with community members to keep them healthy. So let's let's hope That's this trend answer. continues. I hope so. That's a great answer. I like the positivity there. Jenny, give us a positive wish closing us out today positive wish is that we grow our own and there are mechanisms to do that now uh, in rural communities where uh, the children that we've cared for can become the lab technicians and the nurses and the doctors and the rural health administrators of their own communities. Um, And there's some promising practices that are out there teaching health centers, uh, A.T. Still University that's training physician assistants and physicians um, and some nurse corps. So um, that's, uh, that's a positive. I would say the biggest positive is that we got the very first vaccine and despite all the hullabaloo and the ups and downs and roller coaster rides, that's why many of us are still alive today to talk about updated vaccines. So um, that's a huge, we can't forget that. And I love the fact both wishes are about the future. And as we move from out of this to the future, training new um, medical care personnel, which is vital and our K-12 schools can actually be a big part of that. I think it's important obviously with our community colleges and our four-year institutes as well. And then Alan's talking across the board about just uh, adding jobs to rural America, which is always a positive. Um, So please reach out, reach out to our office, reach out to the links that we'll provide and and go see your local health uh, care professionals and they'll, they'll give you the information you need and take care of you. So it's been a great time um, to kind of discuss and have a a round table around healthcare and COVID vaccine the updated COVID vaccine. I'll get that covered correctly. And as we move forward into the fall. So thanks again, Jenny and Alan, for being with us. Uh, It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. It's nice to be with you both. Take care.